Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. want to welcome those who are visiting. We are going through, uh, continuing with our series on the Gospel of John. For this morning, we will try to work through John chapter 14 from verses 8 through 15. But uh, just a quick recap in the first seven verses. Uh, John 14 is a continuation of John 13, and Jesus was comforting and uh, reassuring the disciples which, as I've said last week, is when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he was also speaking to us as followers of Jesus because even though these are his 12 disciples, but because we are followers of Jesus, he's also speaking to us and teaching us and try to receive it from the standpoint that he's trying to comfort us, he's trying to encourage us, and he wants to strengthen us through this. So um, he was comforting them and then reassuring the disciples that he is leaving to prepare a place for them and for us. And uh, we know that the way to where he is going, or rather we should know the way, because Jesus, um, we, we work through this in verse 7 verse, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So in verse 7, Jesus told them that if they, and us, if they really know him, then they would know our heavenly father and have seen him. So let's pick up on verse 8. And let's read through these together and we'll try to dive in and go a little bit deeper in, uh, through each verse. I will be using the NIV version, so feel free to use whichever version that you are familiar with. John 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me. That's interesting. I want to highlight that. Living in me. Because he, he's been saying the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. But now he's saying the Father is living in me. Who is doing his work? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. Wow. At least believe the, works of the, the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. So, okay, so let's try to break these down and go through these together. So first, Thomas doubted. That was in the first seven verses of John 14. First, Thomas doubted and asked Jesus to show them the way to the Father, even though this was right after Jesus said, you know the way. But then just as soon as Jesus said, you know the way to the Father, Thomas asked him, Jesus, show us the way. Right? And now Philip asked, 
Just as the, after Jesus said, you have seen the Father. You have seen me, now you've seen the Father, you've seen the Father, and you know the Father. And right after that, Jesus, um, not Jesus, Philip, now Philip asked. Who has, Philip, who has been with Jesus since the beginning of his ministry, doubted or wanted more proof, right? Because he asked Jesus to show them the Father. As I said, right after Jesus said, you have seen the Father, you know the Father. In verse 7, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. That was uh, Philip's question. So just a reminder for all of us, Philip was the, one of the first, if not the first, disciple to be personally called by Jesus. We see that in John 1 verse 26. So at least from what we can see that was recorded in scriptures, Jesus actually called Philip to follow him. So I want to remind us again in terms of what uh, the, the current state of emotion for the disciples, right? The disciples are in a state of shock. They're in a state of uh, dismay or surprise or sadness, so to speak, because by the disciples, because they just found out in John 13, one of them, one of the inner circles, that I, the term that I use, would betray Jesus. It's almost like one of your buddies, one of your mates, one of the ones who's been through the highs and the lows of, of ministry, one of those who actually could get killed by the Jews, being targeted by the, 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 the Pharisees, would betray them. So on one hand, knowing the background will help us to understand why they would ask those questions, right? Because they're in a state of shock and sadness. Wait, Jesus, you're leaving us? One of us is going to betray us? You're going to die? I'm going to die? What's going on? But at the same time, as I was reading through this, it is a good reminder for us to not as followers of Jesus, to not needing to look for more proof or evidence on the things we should already know. Right? Because right after Jesus said, you have seen the Father, Thomas say, uh, Philip asked, show us the Father. Right after, after Jesus said, you, you know the way, Thomas asked, show us the way. We should know things such as God's faithfulness, his goodness, his promises, his love, his power, and his wisdom, even if we don't see any more proof going forward, that will be enough for us. So Philip, to Philip, it was just a little thing that he was asking for, right? Just a little thing. That will be enough proof. But he asked this right after Jesus said, if you really know me, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. So this spoke to how quickly his very own disciples, the people who have seen him, seen him and touched the, the, those who've been brought back to life, seeing the, Jesus did incredible miracles of healing the sick. This spoke to how quickly his very own disciples, seeing all the things that I've just said, how quickly they forget when things don't seem to be bright and sunny, like when things are tough. It is in our nature to doubt or even needing more proof. Or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. When things are tough, we tend to ask, God, show us something, just a little something that will be enough. In time of crisis or struggle, we revert back to doubt or needing proof or trying to rely on our own strength, right? Trying to do things that I know that's what I do instead of pressing into more of Jesus and have faith in him and trust him to say, Jesus, you said I've seen the Father. Okay, I believe you. I don't need you to show me where is the Father because I know you. So I think we can all relate if we're being really honest with ourselves, right? How often have we asked for more signs or wonders or proofs that of what we're facing or the situation we find ourselves in? It's like, well, should I be in this situation? I have. 
maybe I'm being too honest right now. So, so we can relate to the times in the valley when things are not going well, but we need to press in more with Jesus, press in more with one another so we can encourage one another and speaking life to one another, encouraging one another through reminding each other of God's faithfulness, reminding one another of what God has already done in the past. Just like Jesus said, I have shown you all these things. You know the way. You have seen the Father. And that's why we need to remind one another and gather with one another so we can be reminded of the testimonies and the memorials of God's faithfulness and his provision for us. Jesus' response to the question by Philip and the previous question by Thomas was both um, Maybe if you study different theology, people may say different things, but I just felt like there was a gentle correction and a little gentle comforting at the same time by saying, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time. See, it's, it's such, so much grace in, in his response to Philip. And I was studying Jesus' response through looking at different commentaries and, and different translations. It is written in the King James Version. I, this is a little joke that I want to share with you guys. This, this is the King James Version of Jesus' response. Have I been so long time with you? So the first thing that came to mind to me was that was grammatically incorrect, right? So I realized I say things grammatically incorrect all the time. So from now on, when I say things incorrect, I'm speaking in King James Version. I want you guys to know that, okay? So if I have an S where it shouldn't be or I leave an S out where it should be, I'm speaking in King James Version. Have I been so long time with you? So I just want to lighten up the mood a little bit before we get serious. And, and I think only the non-native English speaker would appreciate that. Um, but anyway, so it is as if Jesus said, you have been with me the longest. How can you possibly ask that question? After hearing everything that I have taught, have been to many different places with me, seen other things that I have done, don't you believe what I've been saying? I'm, um, I'm speaking this in what I see from here. Believe in what I have said all along, that I am in the Father and He is living in me. Not even in me. He is living in me. He's dwelling in me. He's residing in me. I only say what He tells me to say and do what He tells me to do. And verse 11, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Wow. So that spoke to how quickly the disciples for, forgot about all the things that Jesus had taught and all the things that Jesus has done. So essentially, he was telling his disciples and telling us now to trust in him, to have faith in him, right? Don't let the current circumstances cause us to question who Jesus is and to question who, what he has done, and to question who we are in Jesus. This is why it is extremely important to press in closer. If I can say, make extra effort than normally, right? If, if on a day-to-day -day basis, you spend five minutes with Jesus, let's be honest. If you spend more than five minutes, that's awesome. But on a day-to-day -day basis, regularly day, if you spend five minutes with Jesus, when you go through the valley or go through the tough times, spend 10 minutes with him. It's worth it. It is absolutely worth it, during, especially during the tough season. And spend time with those that God has put around us during the season. 
because we need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded of God's faithfulness and his goodness and the things that God has done for us because those that are close to us and around us can point back to those testimonies in our lives and speak to us like, hey, trust in Jesus. Remember all the things that he has done for you. A, B, C, D, and list them off. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. There have been, there have been many different commentaries or opinions on the second half of that sentence. Is it about the gospel being preached in faraway places by missionaries, or is it about the miracles that, that have, was performed and that had happened? You know, I would say both because the gospel has been preached to many different people in many different places in faraway land with each passing year. And there have been too many miracles to, to, for us to, to fully understand from the scientific standpoint or be able to explain from the medical knowledge or the laws of physics. So when the gospel is being preached, there's miracles are happening and generations of sins are being cut off and generations of struggles are being cut off. That's a miracle in itself. And even miracles from these people that actually the lame who walked, the cancers being cured, and those who have been sick have been cured. So I don't fully know the answer or believe we should spend time arguing for one perspective or another. Is it about the gospel or is it about miracles? In the second half of that sentence, I believe we should be more concerned with the first half of that sentence, of that verse. I believe we, as all followers of Jesus, should focus more on the first half of the sentence. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. This, this part is about us following his commands. This, us is, this part is about us obeying him. This part is about us, right? Because I used to tell people all the time, the people I manage, that there's like things that change within the company from the work standpoint. It's like what I usually say is we can only control what we can control. That's the best thing. Control what we can control. Don't worry about what someone else is doing, how they're doing, and how they're impacting such and such. Control what we can control. So the first part of this sentence is that. What we can control, control what we can control because everything else is outside of our control. The second half of that verse is about the fruit, the fruit that Jesus and the Holy Spirit will bring, about his power working through us. It is outside of our control. Don't worry about that. Do what we can do. It is understandable to want to see results, right? I do. I think most of us do. But it could hinder us from trusting in Jesus to produce the fruit. It is the same as how Thomas and Philip wanted to see more of the results, right? To want to see a little bit more proof ahead. They wanted to see more proof just to show us a little bit more. Then it will be enough for us, right? It's always just show us a little bit more, then it will be enough for us. But let's look at the first, next two verses to help us have a better grasp on verse 12, 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I believe the easiest and the best way to understand this verse, these two verses, is to look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15. I feel these verses from uh, 1 John 5 elaborates a little bit more on what Jesus meant. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know 
that we have what we ask of him. According to his will. What is according to his will? Which is what? To do the works I have been doing. That is his will. Jesus was doing the works of the Father. That's what the Father was telling him to do. So to do the works, to do the works that Jesus was doing, according, that's according to his will. So according to his will ties back to verse 12 of doing the works I have been doing. Right? What was Jesus doing? Preach the gospel. The whole gospel. Not just repentance. Not just lovey-lovey, which is love is good, right? We talked about that all the time. But not just repentance, not just love, but everything. Repentance of his goodness, of his love, of his compassion, of his faithfulness, of his protection, of his leading, of his guidance, of his power, of his teaching us and disciplining us. I know we may not like that, but that's part of the deal, the whole gospel. As in Acts 20, verse 27, Paul said, I've never hesitated to teach the whole counsel of God. That's what it means. Jesus came. He, yes, he talked about repentance, but he talked about so many other things in terms of going through life and how we can deal with life. Also, what was Jesus doing? Pray for the sick. Serve one another. It's easy. Well, all right. I don't need to talk about that. Serve one another. Love one another. Doing the works of the Father because Jesus was doing the works of the Father. So for us to know what is Jesus doing, Find out what he used to do and do the things that he was doing. Therefore, when we are doing the works of Jesus, whatever we ask for, according to his will, according to his will for our lives, he will do it. When we are doing the, the works of Jesus, when, when we are doing the works of Jesus, he will be glorified. Our heavenly father is glorified when Jesus is glorified. Okay. That's true, right? So when Jesus is glorified, he will glorify us in himself. I know that's a big statement, but let's look at John 13, verse 31, when Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. So when we look at John 13, verse 31, the statement I just made, when Jesus is glorified, he will glorify us in himself. It's not just wishful thinking. But it is the truth because we have so much more through Jesus. We have so much more through Jesus than our view of ourselves. So when we do the works of Jesus, he will be glorified. And because he will be glorified, he will glorify us in himself. Isn't that amazing? Because Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in us. But when Jesus glorifies the Father, the Father will glorify the Son because the Son is in himself. It's the same thing with us, the same mystery. Right? I spoke uh, on this last week about the connection between our Heavenly Father and Jesus. That's the same connection that we have with Jesus, between us and Jesus. That's from John 14, verse 20. We're going to talk about that next week. Believe in Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in Jesus that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. Also believe that Jesus is also living in us. Right? That's why I paused the sentence. The Father is living in me when Jesus said that. So it's the same thing. Jesus is living in us. That can be a challenge. That can be encouragement. But that's the truth when we have Jesus. Believe that Jesus was doing the works of the Father or at least believes in the evidence of the works themselves. So believe in Jesus that he was doing the works and he is doing the works in us and through us. Believe in the evidence of the works that Jesus has done for us and through us. 
believe in that. Remember the memorials, the testimonies. Remind ourselves to believe in Jesus or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves, of what Jesus has done in the past. So remind ourselves to stop asking for more proof. I need to remind myself to stop asking for more proof. Stop saying more proof because what we tend to say, is, just show me a little bit more then it will be enough for me. Just like what Philip said, just show me a little bit more then it will be enough for us. Let's believe in the evidence of the works themselves. So the last verse, in verse 15, we'll look at, um, this is the last verse for this morning. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. It is not, if you love me and keep my command, I will do these things for you. It's not, if you love me or keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my command. This word love is the same word that was used by Jesus when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's from Matthew 22, verse 37. This is a deep love with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So if you love me with all your strength, all your heart, all your soul, you will keep my command. So it's not that love like I love that joke. You know, we, we say this a lot, right? I think we say this. Sometimes we kind of minimize that. There's nothing wrong with it because I know I say it too. I say, I love that joke. Or I love that book. Or I love that movie. Or I love that dish. Or, or I love my job. Again, it's okay to say those things, but we just know that it's not what Jesus meant when he said, if you love me. It's not if you love me like, oh, you love this dish, or if you love me like you love that game or what have you. If I may suggest this for us, if we love Jesus with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, we don't need to remember all of his commands. I like to keep things simple. There's too many commands here. Can I, can I be honest and say that? Hopefully I'm not gonna get in trouble. There's too many commands here. However, the best and easiest and simplest way is what? Love Jesus. Love Jesus and we will automatically, automatically keep all his commands. Love Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And every decision that we make, the things that we do, will satisfy and we will keep his commands. Love Jesus first, then we will know what his commands are. Love Jesus, then we will be able to follow his command. Love Jesus, then his commands will become the desire of our hearts. If you love Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that's Jesus, what do you want me to do? Because that's all I want to do. That's the most important thing in my life. I, I feel like the, 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 the Passion Translation really helped me to fully understand Oh, I shouldn't say fully understand. Understand it a little bit better. The, the Passion Translation said, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. It is not. Again, if you keep my commands, you will love. If it was only about his commands, then his commands will become a legalistic duty or religious rituals if we don't do them from a place of loving Jesus. We need to love Jesus then loving Jesus, it will empower us to obey his commands.
if we don't love Jesus and we will carry out his command grudgingly, right? Or with resentment, or with frustrations, or people don't, you know, with the idea that, well, people don't appreciate the things that I do for them. You know, I show up, I do this, I do that. Trust me, I do think that once in a while. So I'm not just speaking to other people. That I'm speaking to myself too. So, so we have to recognize and go back to the place of, I'm doing this because I love Jesus. Because I love Jesus. I don't do this to get recognition. I don't do this so then people can say thank you. I do this because I love Jesus. We do this because we love Jesus. In the past, you know, I, um, this was before I got to know Jesus. I would go to church once in a while. I'll share with you guys a little story and try to explain my point. You see a lot of people who are serving, and they look kind of grumpy. You know, they look a little bit angry. They look like they don't want to be there. They look a little bit frustrated. And for me, the first thought that came to mind was, why do I want to be a part of that? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why do I want to be miserable? No thank you. No thank you. I don't know if eternity is worth it because I see people are just grumpy and angry and frustrated and short-tempered and always yelling at people. Who wants to be a part of that? No. But if we, because that is, we are keeping his commands without relationship with Jesus. We need to remember, if you love me, love Jesus first and foremost. So loving me empowers you to obey my commands. We will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just because we're special, not just because we have great capacity, not just because we're this or that, empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out his commands with grace, with joy, with gladness, with love. And if I can use the term with ease, we can't really do much on our own well Maybe some people can. I've learned that if we love Jesus, trust in the Holy Spirit, slowly we will grow in our ability to do things, grow in our capacity to do things. And eventually after a while, it looked like it's easy, but it's because the Holy Spirit has empowered us to follow his command. So follow my command. Follow Jesus' command. What are his, some of his commands? Serve, serving one another. Right? Loving one another. That's what we've learned so far in John 13, right? He was washing uh, their feet. The feet of the disciple is a position for the lower, a person in the lowest positions. So he said, this is my example. Serve one another. And then later on in John 13, he said, love one another. If so, other people will know that you're my disciples. Serving one another. Loving one another. And now he's saying, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my command. So loving Jesus will help empower us to serve and love one another. Because, maybe I'm being too honest today, I feel really, really honest. I don't know if we naturally can love one another, but because of Jesus, we will be able to love one another because it's through the Holy Spirit. Because of Jesus, we're empowered to serve one another regardless of where we came from, regardless of what we have or don't have. It's only because of Jesus. When we serve, serving one another removes pride, right? Serving one another removes arrogance, uh, a sense of self-importance and so like self-preservation, like I'm this Mr. Big Shot, you know, why do I need to like, make coffee? 
right? I'm just a big shot. Why do I need to, like, say hi to people? It removes the self-importance. It removes the arrogance and the self-preservation idea, putting ourselves underneath the person that we're serving. Serving helps to appreciate when we are being served. Can I say that? We all like to be served, right? I mean, I like to be served. We all like to be served. But until we're actually serving, we don't fully appreciate what it is to be served and to be grateful for the energy and the effort and the humility it takes to serve. It's the same thing as we only know how to lead when we know how to be led. That last sentence in itself is a sermon in itself because until we know how to be led, we don't know how to lead people. We don't know what it's like, how people are responding. That's serving, right? Loving one another, usher in forgiveness. Ushering, honoring one another. Being considerate to one another. Having grace for one another. Live in peace. Have joy with one another. So serving one another, loving one another. When we are able to do these things, not because we're special. Can I say that? It's not naturally to love everybody, right? It's not natural to love one another. Maybe it's easy for you, but for me, it's not natural to love one another. But it's because when we love Jesus, the Holy Spirit will empower us, enable us to love one another. And as we love Jesus, the Holy Spirit will empower us to obey his commands. So we know we cannot do anything wrong when we love Jesus. We will always automatically follow his commands because the Holy Spirit is leading us and empowering us to obey his commands. So if I can bring this to a close this morning and, and hopefully can share two things, two takeaways or two things that if you can remember anything at all from this passage, just remember these two things. I'm just going to go in the order of the passage that, that was spoken. It's number one, trust in Jesus, right? Jesus keeps saying it over and over again. Believe in me. Believe in what I have said. Don't you believe me? Trust in Jesus. It's because Thomas just asked Jesus, show me the way. Philip just asked Jesus, well, show us the Father. Let's not ask Jesus for answers to the things that we already know or seen, right? That's what Jesus said. You know the way. And Thomas asked, oh, wait, show us the way. You've seen the Father. Oh, wait, God, can you show us the Father? We already know of his goodness, his faithfulness over and over again. Believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Believe in the things that Jesus has spoken to us, that he has shared with us, he has shown us, that he's taken us through. Let's remember those. I, I use memorials because it's something that, that happened so big that we'll remember, we'll look back as a reminder of God's goodness, right? Just like what Jesus would say, believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Just like this building. Anytime you guys show up here in this building, remember that's God's goodness and his faithfulness. This is the evidence of God's works, right? He provided this building for us. He provided this, this building through providing for all of us. So through all of us being obedient, we gave, we tithe, so then we are able to, as a church, purchase this building. So it's God's provision through us at Restoration and through each of us individually. This is a memorial. Every Sunday when you guys, or, or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever you guys come here or you walk by here, remember God's goodness and his testimony and his memorial for us as a church. And secondly, 
So trust in Jesus. Secondly, love Jesus. That's what he said. If you love me, love me. Love Jesus. Our love for Jesus will empower us to obey his command. So some of his commands, if it seems difficult, if it seems challenging, or it seems like, well, I'm not capable, that's just too much. That's just someone needs to, I need to be in a better place before I can fulfill this command. Or I need to, like, change myself or, or shape myself. Or I have to be, like, a better prayer or whatever. Love Jesus. Our love for Jesus will empower us to obey all his commands. Obedience is love. Love is obedience. In Scripture, it's almost interchangeable. When we love Jesus, means we obey Jesus. When we obey Jesus, means we love Jesus. Obey, so when we love Jesus, we will obey Scriptures. That is how we outwork our love for Jesus, is to obey Scriptures. So when we do these things, people will know that we are his disciples. So when we live with a wholehearted love for him and with an absolute trust in him, with no doubt, you know, no need to say, well, show us just a little thing and that will be enough. Because I think if we're really honest with ourselves, pretty soon we'll have something else next week, right? Jesus, show us a little bit something. Oh, next month. Show us a little something. Oh, next year. Show us a little something. I find myself almost every year asking that question. So I have to check myself to say, no, you have shown me plenty of time. I know I've shared this in the past. Even if I do not see another miracle, I know that he is good and there are miracles everywhere. It's not about what I see, but of what I know. It's not about what we see. It's about what we know and trust in Jesus and love him and trust in him. When we do that, when we live wholeheartedly for him and we put our absolute, absolute trust in Jesus, he will be glorified. And you know what? The part that I like, maybe that's just me, the part that I really enjoy is when Jesus is glorified, he will glorify us in himself. That's amazing. He will glorify us in himself. So we don't have to, we're, not, we're not doing these things for other people. We, when we do it for Jesus, he will glorify us in himself. That is why he is so amazing and so awesome. Okay, anyway, that's what I have for us for this morning. I want to encourage you guys to read through John 14 in your own time, uh, whether you read through this passage or just read ahead. Um, and then we can spend time going through each uh, verse together, pray through these verses, ask for God to reveal great and mighty things to you and how those verses, uh, each of those verses will apply to our everyday life. So uh, let's close our eyes and pray for this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the incredible God, that you have revealed yourself to us, Lord, that you are the one true living God the one who is worthy of our praises, of our songs, of our lives, of the decisions that we make, the things that we do, and how we live our lives, Lord. Thank you for you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we trust you. I just pray right now, the Holy Spirit, that you will come and give us the strength and the boldness and the conviction to be able to live in the place of saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the things that you have said, and I will follow you. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you will come and empower your people, each and every one of us, that we can live out your command, that we can be obedient to you and love you and let your light shine through our lives in all the things that we do, God. We love you, and we pray to all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 